This morning we start a new sermon series called Christmas at the Movies. And every sermon, every uh, sermon from this point forward through Christmas Day, Christmas Day will actually be one, um, and then Christmas Eve night and Christmas Eve Eve night, we're going to do two, two separate ones. So you can come to both services, you're going to get a totally separate message. Um, because I feel that uh, we really do want you to come to both services so that those community members that are coming in for one or the other don't get the experience of all of Faith Church being at one and not the other. But we also understand that we're doing two services because not everybody can make one service or the other as well. That all being said, we're going to take a look at a movie every week, a, a uh, not-Christian movie usually, um, and talk about what principles are taught in this movie that can relate to scriptural passages. And so today we're talking about a movie that's up on the screen, and some of you may have seen this movie. It's called The Christmas Story. It's all about, um, i got to get to my notes so I make sure I don't mess this up, nine-year-old Ralphie. Ralphie Parker wants for Christmas, all that he wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun. Mom wasn't even, mom won't even consider it. She says words like, you'll shoot your eye out, she proclaims, this ending the argument before it even started. Hope springs eternal in young Ralphie's heart as he tries to, as he tries every possible angle to attain his goal. Based on the memoirs of a humorist, Gene Shepard, the film is a sweetly nostalgic look at suburban life in 1940s. Focus primarily upon the exploits and antics of young Ralphie, who must deal with bullies, disappointments, and everything else that a young person faces when growing up. Throughout it all, he is convinced that if he just gets the Red Ryder BB gun, everything in his life will be perfect. Take a watch. Ralphie is just like us. We all could write a list of things we know would just make our life perfect. I even remember praying for a specific Christmas gift when I was a child. It was the Dukes of Hazzard car. I remember praying, God, if you just get me this one gift for Christmas, I'll never want anything else. Yeah, right, that was a lie. Guess what? I got it. Guess what? It wasn't worth it. Ralphie's greatest moment of satisfaction in the Christmas story does not come from the Red Ryder BB gun. His greatest moment of joy comes from a glimpse of the great gift. After one particularly trying day at school, Ralphie runs into the school bullies while walking home. Tired of being teased, Ralphie surrenders to his rage. Which shows that Ralphie's mother, this, this, this next clip is going to show Ralphie's mother hears his tirade and sends him up to his room, waiting tearfully for his dad to come home. Ralphie anticipates the worst punishment, but Ralphie's mother finds his younger brother, Randy, hiding under the kitchen sink. And Mike, if you could just give us a little more volume. Still locked in his room, and this is your last clip, I promise you, and then we're going to get to the sermon. Ralphie fears the worst. I heard the car pull up the driveway, he says, and a wave of terror broke over me. 
He'll know what I said, the awful things I said. Hearing this dad's voice, Ralphie walks downstairs to meet his face. Fate. After some talk, some small talk, dad asks, what happened today? Ralphie realizes it's all about to come out. He looks at his mother with a painful look, a painful expression. Surprisingly, his mother responds, nothing much. Ralphie got in a fight. Tension rises as dad puts down the newspaper and looks at Ralphie with a stern gaze. A fight? What kind of fight? Mom replies, oh, you know how boys are. I gave them a talking to. Oh, I see the Bears are playing the Packers Sunday. A smile breaks over Ralphie's face and he beams at his mother. Ralphie's greatest moment of joy comes when he realizes the power of the great gift, forgiveness. What he wanted most was a BB gun. He got an interesting gift. Watch this clip. When he got the BB gun, he got hurt. He almost shot his eye out. The great gift he got was mercy and grace, not an Easter bunny outfit. The movie A Christmas Story reminds us that there is a great gift to be discovered at Christmas. Turn with me this morning, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. They will be on your sermon outline in your bulletin as well. And let's look at the lives of a few individuals committed to discovering the greatest gift ever. So much greater than a BB gun for Christmas. Here's what Matthew 2 says, starting in uh, verse... I didn't even write that down. Starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it's on the screen as well, in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now I want to look at some background information just for your sake for a couple of seconds here. The Magi is a Greek word that is a tribe from the ancient media who is prior to the absorption of the Medes into the Persians' empire, which is talked about in the Old Testament in 550 B.C. They were responsible for religious and memorial practices. They were highly influential in Median society. 
The best-known magi were the wise men from the east. That's about the only magi that we hear about. The Jewish prophet Daniel entrusted a messianic vision to be announced due to the time by a star to a secret sect of the the magi for its eventual fulfillment. Daniel was revered by Jews, prophesied concerning the Messiah. If the magi knew of Jewish prophets from Daniel or elsewhere, they could have imagined that the man whose appearance had been uh, foretold along with that of the star had actually came into the world. These magi are model for pursuing the greatest gift. They really are. You know, you've seen it on plaques that say, wise men still seek Him. I think wise men and women still seek Him. They still pursue Him as the greatest gift. Let's look at some powerful points from this story in Matthew chapter 2. Here's the first powerful point. Pursuing the greatest gift requires seeking. Pursuing the greatest gift requires seeking. Now listen, you didn't get a chance and Freddie wanted me to show the entire Christmas story movie today. And I said, we have, you know, things after church we have to do, Freddie. Um, So I can't show a two hour movie. Michelle and I did. Well, we watched half of it. We fell asleep for the last half of it last night, if I'm honest with you. And we watched the whole movie. But the one thing that Ralphie does throughout the whole movie is he pursues that BB gun with a passion. In fact, one scene, he's in class and the teacher says to him, why don't you write a paper on what you want for Christmas? And Ralphie goes crazy. Absolutely, I know what I'm going to write on. And so he turns his paper in in a nice folded binder and then he gets that note back from the teacher. That was what you saw on that first clip that says, you'll shoot your eye out if you get that BB gun. Everybody he talked to throughout the whole movie, it all came back to that BB gun. I wonder, does it all come back to the greatest gift for us? When people ask us, what do we want for Christmas? When people ask us, why do we live our lives the way we live them? Does the answer always come back to the greatest gift given? Or is there reasons why we do things because that don't line up with what Jesus did? It's a question that haunts me, and so I share that haunt with you this morning. And here's the Scripture passage. In Matthew 2.2, it says, Where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship Him. I want you to understand something. God chose this star. And there was nothing like it. Yet, Herod somehow missed it. Now catch this. You go out on a starry night in your neighborhood or in your yard. And you look up and you see this huge star. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's saying what's going on. The the Magi are telling everyone that star is representing Jesus and where He was born. And Yet King Herod in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 2, which is on the screen as well, says, 
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. I want you to look at that last half of that sentence again. The exact time it appeared. What that says to me is Herod missed it when it was in the sky for a long time. He doesn't know when it came out. That's why he calls the Magi and asks them, what's, what's going on with this star? Sometimes I wonder, at least for me, the seeking of the greatest gift gets set aside for other things. King Herod had to run a country. King Herod had people to kill. You don't understand that? You just need to do a little history search of King Herod. King Herod had things to get done. And so I believe personally, and this is no commentary's thoughts, but I believe personally he got so wrapped up in the other things that he missed the huge reminder of God. I don't know about you, but this Christmas I am tiptoeing that line. Where all this other junk, Christmas lights, Christmas trees, help me to miss the, the star of the show. Something that God started to do in this Matthew chapter 2 passage was remind me that, look, this seeking Him, it's not for the weak-hearted. This going after Him with all of your heart like Ralphie did the BB gun, it's not easy. Because there are trips and mountains, traps that we all have to watch for. So this first point is very, very passionate for me. Look, you can't sit back in your couch and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pursue Christ. And expect to pursue Christ. It doesn't work that way. See, there's, there's work to be done. There's a heart cry that needs to be worked on in our hearts and lives. And so God calls us and says, listen, pursuing the greatest gift, it requires seeking. It's not just going to fall in your lap and you're going to become a super Christian and do everything right one day. You've got to work at it. You've got to strive for it. And so there's two things about this star that are powerful and they're on the next slide. And here's the first one. It can go unnoticed. It did for Herod. It can go, it could go unnoticed. Did it not? It, it went unnoticed for Herod. Herod has to call the Magi in and say, now, guys, when, when did that star actually come into the sky? And we don't really know. Was it days? Was it hours? Was it, was it minutes? I, I don't really know, but there's a reason why Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes he had to call him in to find out when exactly the timing was of the star. 
I think Matthew's trying to make a point to us in 2016 that you can miss it very quickly. You can go on, he can go unnoticed. It can become about you growing a ministry instead about Jesus being praised like that. It can become about growing a church full of people instead of him being praised like that. Because we get our focus on the lights and the cameras and the, not the cameras, but the Christmas lights. God sometimes has to reel us back in. Maybe I'm the only one that he has to do this for. But he has to kind of fish the rod out. Catch me with his hook. Say, remember, saying about you, this isn't about anything other than me. See, when you make it about me, things go the way they should go. When you make it about you, stuff flies. Number two is the star, it could go unappreciated. Unappreciated. We find this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, when King Herod heard this. <coughs> Excuse me. He was disturbed. And all the Jerusalem with him. When he called all together, when he had to call together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. He didn't appreciate it. And there's reasons why King Herod didn't appreciate it. And I'll be bluntly honest with you, the first reason was pride. Now there's competition. Now I've got to fight this kid off who's supposed to become the king. There's other reasons, I'm sure, deep down in the recesses of Herod's heart that it goes unnoticed or unappreciated. Same can go for us. Can it? I mean, seriously, can't we sometimes just underappreciate God's work at times? God shows up and does something miraculous, and we don't see it for that. We say, well, it was our hard work that put that together. God shows up and does something miraculous in our lives. And don't get me wrong, doctors are very important and they do their job, but God shows up and does something very important in our lives, medically speaking, and we say, well, that, that, was, that was them. So glad my doctor got his doctor degree. Well, yeah. Who gave him the right to get that degree? Who gave him the brain that was smart enough to get the degree? Who provided him the opportunity See, we can underappreciate the star sometimes so much. Then we get our minds on everything else. There's this story in the Gospels, and we love to preach on it because it's so powerful. And it's Peter in the water, and you know what I'm talking about now. And he gets out on the water, and he starts to walk, and everything's fine. And what happens? He gets his eyes on the waves, and he starts to sink. Why is that? Because he underappreciated the star. The star was standing there. 
Jesus was standing right in front of him. He underappreciated what was right in front of him. Because he was so concerned about the waves that are, that are hitting him. And, and he didn't know how he was going to get through it. And, and we love to jump on Peter's back. I do, personally, as a pastor. I love to say, see, you know, Peter just didn't get it. And then God so gently knocks on my heart's door and says, yeah, like the time when the church got tight in this area and you started to freak out. Because you know, God has only had faith church here for so long and somehow He's going to let it just fall apart in 2.5 seconds because of a decision you made. Yeah, let's talk about Peter, Pastor Brett. Let's talk about underappreciating my power, Pastor Brett. Let's not jump too hard on Peter. Because you see, God has been great and faithful to people for years. And He was great and faithful to Peter. And in that one moment, He loses it all. And He says, I'm going down. I'm going to drown. I'm going to, I'm going to die. And God says, no, I'm going to reach my hand down and I'm going to pull you out. And I'm going to be faithful to you just like I was before. So we can underappreciate it. And the reason the Magi knew about the star was because of the star prophecy, which was a messianic reading applied by the radical Jews and early Christians. And it was found in Numbers 24-17. It's not going to be on the screen. But here's the quote from it. It says, A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Let me say this to you. If God thousands of years before His Son came could have some guy sitting in some room somewhere write that a star was going to come out of the sky and it was going to lead you to Jesus Christ. Don't you think He's strong enough to handle your today? I mean, this wasn't even a thought in their heads when it was written. And He just so happened to write it. Thousands of years. Don't you think that God who can plant that thought thousands of years and watch it happen come to life is big enough to handle your today. You're seeking Him. So under this point, I want to ask you something, and it's on the next slide. It's a, it's a, it's a um, critical question, and here's the critical question for this point. Are you looking for an encounter with God this Christmas season? Will you recognize what He wants to give you or will it go unnoticed and unappreciated? I kind of want to set the standard this Christmas here at Faith Church to let's go after God this Christmas. Put the BB guns away. (laughs) Put the pursuit of pink Easter bunny outfits away. And just simply, let's ask God, what does He have for us as a corporate body and us as individuals? I'm not saying 
Don't want you to go out with the wrong ideas. Don't celebrate Christmas. Don't open gifts. Don't give gifts. Look, I got a young boy in my house right now that he would be fired up if he comes down Christmas morning and there's no gifts under the tree. Oh, buddy, we're going to celebrate Christ this year. So there will be gifts under the tree. But there will be a celebration of Christ. Let me explain to you what I mean by using Freddie as an example. When Freddie came to our lives, he had no church background. Well, he had minimal church background. He didn't even know who Jesus really was. So Sunday, or Thanksgiving Day, my dad asked him to give him a tour of the Christmas lights. We have Christmas lights galore. You'll see them someday. Come by anytime. You'll see the glow in the neighborhood. We are supporting MedEd. <laughs> that's the way it's that's the way it's going to be. And so we we have these Christmas lights set up. And my dad went and went on a tour with Freddie, which is involves running because he runs from one station to the other and wants to show you all the Christmas lights that he put up. Yeah, right. Um, he put up. Um, so so he shows my dad all this, and my dad stops at the manger and he goes. Freddie, what's Christmas? What, what's the manger about? The answer was, um, Christmas is all about Jesus, Pappy Craig. This manger is what it's all about, Pappy Craig. I stood on my driveway and it put a lot of things into perspective for me. Are we sharing the gift? Sure, Freddie was dropped in our lap and we have the opportunity to share the gift, but are we sharing the gift with people that we have the opportunity to share them with? Or does it go underappreciated? Unrecognized? Number two, pursuing the greatest gift is worth sacrifice. It's worth sacrifice. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came from Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now I got to tell you something. In in our scripture passage here in in Matthew chapter 2 in our Bibles, it doesn't really explain what that meant. Here's what it meant. The Magi from the east came to pay homage to the baby Jesus Two millennials ago traveled more than 1,000 miles through Iraq, Syria, Jordan, and the West Bank. Now let me tell you something. They didn't jump in their Ford Fusion, which I have, and drive. They packed their things for the trip, and they walked or rode on camels which isn't the exact comfortable riding for 1,000 miles. 1,000 miles. I say that because is it worth the sacrifice to you? 
I mean, all we simply have to do, and, and my car even has this, this neat little feature that I can hit these two little buttons right here on my little keypad, and it starts it up for me so I can go out to a nice warm car every morning, don't have to have it in the garage, don't have to have anything set, just kind of start it up and go out and sit in the car, and it's already warmed up for me. Everything's already good to go. And yet still, I find excuses not to do that much when serving Jesus. And so, when we put it into perspective what these magi had to go through to go find the baby Jesus, it challenges us and it says, you know, is it worth the sacrifice to us? What does it take to pursue Christ the greatest gift? What does it take to pursue Christ, the greatest gift? And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, that's what I read earlier for you that's up on the screen now. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And the reason that is important is because we read that and we say, Well, they walked, you know, across the street. If your closest neighbor is a thousand miles, then yeah, they walked across the street. A thousand miles. And it wasn't packing the back of the car. It was packing a camel or a donkey. It was walking, a lot of it. So the pursuit of the greatest gift will require sacrifice. It will hurt at times. So I ask you, what does it take to pursue Christ? And this is on the next screen. Here's three things it takes to pursue Christ. Here's the first one. It's on the screen uh, currently. It says, uh, reordering of priorities. That's up in your top left-hand corner. And then we're just going to kind of fly through these. There's convenience and comfort and cost. Reordering your priorities, convenience, comfort, cost are all things that it will take to pursue Christ. Sure, you have to reorder your priorities sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient to seek Christ. It really is. Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to challenge us to think, do I really want to do this? And sometimes it's going to cost us dearly. And that's not the easiest times. And so in Matthew chapter 2, it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, in my warped sense of humor... I think overjoyed is very not the word that I would use. Thousand miles. Walking most of it. And finally they're there. I mean, we're talking ecstatic. We go to Myrtle Beach every summer. It's a long trip. I am more than overjoyed when we finally get to the house that we're going to be staying at. I'm ripping and roaring to get out of my seatbelt so I can get into the house and enjoy my vacation. 
And we drive there. I can't imagine what these gentlemen, what these wise men found. But I'm thinking overjoyed, probably a better word. 1,000 miles of looking for this guy, of following that star, of feeling like the star's not getting any closer. We're traveling and it seems like it's getting farther away. And then they find him. And the party begins. The praise happens. And so the critical question under this point is, will you reflect a desire for the great gift of Christ? Encounter with the forgiver in how you plan your schedule? Will you actually ask him, how can you be honored in my schedule during this Christmas season? Third point is, pursuing the greatest gift leads to satisfaction. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here's what they did. Letter A on the next slide is this. Encounter the forgiver. They encountered Him in a powerful way. They also, and we also, when we encounter the forgiver, renewing our relationship. Renewing our relationship. So when they come, they present these gifts and the gold is for a king. It's, 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 to, it's to recognize that he is royalty. The frankincense is the, the burned by uh, office. It's, it's, a, it's something that is burned by the office of a priest. The, the myrrh is the anointing uh, for, body, for a body in a sacred funeral rite. And so renewing our relationship here, it says, however devoted they were, they have a mountaintop experience in the presence of the gift. They bowed down and they worshipped Him. God wants us to lead us to a mountaintop experience this Christmas season as we encounter the forgiver. He wants us to get it. Will you discover and help others to discover the gift worth running after? There are so many people out there that are running after gifts like the BB gun and the pink bunny outfit and things that will not give them the satisfaction that the forgiver will give. And so I ask you this question in, in powerful reflection to say, will you do it? Will you share the good news of Jesus with people this Christmas season? We still have the opportunity to do so. Andy mentioned it, but I'm, I'm just going to share my challenge with you this morning. On the back, in the back, when you go out to shake our hands after worship, there will be these mailings that we made. And I made some extra copies, unbeknownst to Ruth, on Saturday at my house. Because here's my challenge. Will you give two of these out? Will you make yourself uncomfortable? Maybe at a cost? Share this with somebody? Maybe you don't want to stop it too. Maybe you want to share it with your whole neighborhood. Praise the Lord. We have sent out from the office 180 of these. 
probably closer to 200 now because we added some people to our list. Because we believe in this. If we're serving the greatest gift, and this isn't about us as a church. This is about Him. And so if you want to do it for growing your church, that's one thing and that's okay, but the important part is the great gift that He has given us. To be able to share that with our neighbors and our friends and say, well, won't you come and learn? Look, I'm not asking you to knock on a door and say, if you die tonight, where would you go? Heaven or hell? Because you might die tonight then if you did that in this world. But what I'm asking you to simply do is maybe knock on her door or even just slide it in their door and say, here, I just, you know, my church is doing some things to kind of share Christmas story with you and We'd love to see at any or all of these events. Here they are. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll cost something. It'll require you to look at your schedule. But will you do it? Will you discover and help others to discover the gift running after? In the movie A Christmas Story, Ralphie discovers a greater Christmas gift than a Red Ryder BB gun. What he discovers is the grace and forgiveness of a mother and a father. The parts of the movie that you did not see, and that was by design, was a father who blew up on a furnace downstairs. Let words that in the 1940s would make anybody blush fly at that furnace. That's the kind of anger Ralphie's father had. So when Ralphie comes home from cursing out the bully and beating the living tar out of him, literally, he is rightly scared of what his father will do. But when the question comes up, as you heard earlier, what happened today? Mom shows Ralphie a sense of grace and forgiveness. And she says, oh, he got in a fight. Biggest understatement in the entire movie. Then the father says, what kind of fight? You know, like boys do. Another understatement. Why? Because deep down inside, that movie is talking about the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Deep down inside, that is a picture of what the Father does, or what Jesus does to us with the Father. The Father looks at Jesus the Son and says, how did Brett Kendig do today? Oh, he got in a fight. What kind of fight? You know, like men do. But remember, Father, I paid for it on that cross. Remember, Father, I came as a perfect baby to pay for Jesus, for for Pastor Brett to mess up. Past, present, and future. 
And so like Ralphie is shown the grace and forgiveness of Christmas, we are shown the grace and forgiveness of Christmas. We can celebrate because we've met the forgiver. There is no other person on this earth that can celebrate more than those people sitting in this room that have met the forgiver. There's no other reason to celebrate Christmas. Santa Claus will fail you. People will fail you. But when the father looks at the son and says, how did my child do today? There's never an attitude. There's never a, oh, he screwed up again. There is always grace. And there is always mercy. And so I ask you, will you take that grace and mercy to your world? Not to grow the church, but to grow Christ. To proclaim His grace and mercy to a world who has been beat up. Look, I don't know how many we have here, probably roughly 74 to 75 people here today. If you take 70 and you times it by two and every one of us handed one of those out, that's 140 people, yes, 140 people that have been reached by the good news and grace of Jesus Christ. Like that. We always say, it's so hard. We don't know how to do this. 140 people like that. It's easy. Will we do it? Will we do it? So I ask you, will you share the good news? Will you share something worth being pursued? And then while you're sharing that, will you then pursue that gift? Don't stop pursuing. It's like a marriage relationship. We can't stop dating. Because the minute we do, we're in trouble. We can't stop pursuing Christ. Because the minute we sit back and we say, well, I pursued Christ for 30 years. Satan steps in and we're off track. Don't get comfortable. Don't sit back. Pursue Him. Seek Him. Count the cost. Go after Him with all of your heart. Let's close in a word of prayer together. Father, it's, it's hard. And I've been feeling over the past couple of weeks the hardness of it. Seeking You. Striving after You. Looking for You to, to show up in powerful ways, Lord. You have spoken mercy and grace into each life that is sitting here this morning. Some have responded to that. Some have yet to respond to that. But Lord, we know that You without a shadow of a doubt have loved this world so much that You gave Your Son as an eternal sacrifice where You no longer look at us as a son and a father, but You look at us as a loved one that is loved by Your grace and Your mercy. And Lord, all You have asked us to do is one, grow in that grace and mercy. Grow in that as we work together here at Faith Church. And we strive to do that. But You have also asked us then to go out and share that grace and mercy with others. You've asked us not to keep it inside of us. And Lord, Christmas is a time when the world 
kind of listens to the message of Christ. We have an opportunity to to reach a neighbor, to reach a friend. And Lord, yes, there will be those neighbors that take this piece of paper and throw it in a trash can. But that doesn't stop us. We still have to throw the seed out. We still have to reach out with the love and grace of Jesus. And Lord, like Ralphie and his mom in that section of that movie, which so powerfully speaks to what you see when you look at us when we mess up royally, share with us your grace and mercy this day. Remind us that even though we may have, we may have just not gotten it right to this point, you do not sit up there as an, as an, as a, as an elderly dad scolding us. But you sit there as a loving father saying, it's okay. We'll get it next time. Keep plugging away. And so Lord, if there's a message for this Advent season that I want to be abundantly clear to Faith Church, it's that message. Keep plugging away. It won't be easy. It will cost us. It will ask us to reorder our priorities. It will ask us to be uncomfortable. But Lord, there's no greater person, no greater gift to be uncomfortable with, to reorder our priorities for, and to count the cost for than You. And so Lord, I pray that You would help us to do that. This starting this morning and throughout this Advent season. Help us to focus on You and pointing people to Your love and Your grace. For Lord, it's in Your name we pray this all. Amen. Faith Church, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of us this day. Amen.